If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew 11, starting in verse 25. Matthew 11, 25. If you don't, sometimes it helps me to close my eyes and imagine the scriptures putting myself inside the story, not as one on the outside, but one on the inside. That sometimes helps me to meditate on scripture. Matthew eleven twenty five to 30 says this. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever, and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father. And no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and to those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So as I was studying this week, I came across a legend. I don't often tell about legends in my sermons, but I just thought this was fascinating, so I'm going to go there. There's a legend that Jesus was a carpenter, and when he was living as a carpenter, a worker, people would come from all over Galilee and all over the region where he lived in the Middle East, and they would bring their oxen to him because he was the best carpenter. Can you imagine how good he was, how precise how incredibly he was at customer service, right? And the legend goes that people would come and they would bring their two oxen and Jesus would lay a heavy piece of wood over the oxen's shoulders and he would measure out and custom fit the yoke for the oxen. And above his carpenter's shop, the legend goes that he says, my yokes are easy to bear. And then they would bring the oxen back and see how they fit after he had cut them and he would measure them again to make sure there wasn't any kind of chafing or rubbing against the oxen in any way so that they could plow the fields with ease. They could do their work well. I don't know if that's true. I want it to be true. (laughs) What I do know is this actually happened. In Matthew 11, Jesus invites people to carry a yoke with him, to work with him, to walk with him on a daily basis. And he says, my yoke is easy. And I know that he means by that, not that life is easy, but that his yoke is easy. Does that make a difference to you? Living into his teaching, that's what yoke meant. When Pharisees and religious leaders of Jesus's day would say, take my yoke upon you, what they were talking about is my way of life. Let me put my way of life on top of you and walk this way work this way. When Jesus was saying it, he was saying, 
the way that I do life will bring you freedom. The image that I get in my head is this heavy wooden yoke, and Jesus is carrying the heaviest part, and as I carry it with him, it's filled with helium, and it brings me freedom. That's the image I get of walking and working with Jesus, that it's this free and light journey. Not just for ourselves, by the way, but for the good of those around us, for the good of the world, that the world around us would become freer and lighter as we walk with him and work with him and put his teaching on us. But what does it look like as a, as a church, as a new church, to come to Jesus and experience real rest and walk and work with him? What does it look like to take his yoke? What, it, what does it take to come to Jesus? And he makes it pretty clear here in verse 25. Do you see what he says? In his prayer, I don't know, he just got done rebuking religious leaders, by the way. If you want to read the passage before this, it is intense. It's fiery. If you, ever, if you ever hear somebody say, Jesus was just so nice all the time, you should read that. It might say, no, he was loving all the time, but often in his love, he rebuked people. He breaks into prayer. He says, oh, Father, Lord of heaven, uh, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the child like, yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. What does it look like for you and I to come to Jesus? It means to approach him as a child. That's what it means. And hear me on this. Jesus is not saying it's bad to be intelligent. He's not speaking against intelligence. He's not even speaking against being smart or well thought out in Scripture. What he's speaking against is pride. That's what he's speaking against. It's hard for a child to be prideful because they know that the world that they're living in doesn't depend on them. My kids get that. They know to make a grilled cheese sandwich, I'm going to have to do that. Mom's going to have to do that, all right, unless Eden's doing it. Eden can do it. Yeah, Eden can totally do it. They know that if, I'm gonna, if we're going to go to soccer practice or football practice or whatever, dad or mom or somebody's going to have to drive them. They can't do that on their own. There's not a lot of pride within kids. They just naturally depend and trust on those around us. And I think when Jesus says, become childlike, he's saying, Open yourself up to the love of God. Believe that he wants to take care of you in this way. Stop trying to figure it all out on your own. Daily abide in him and walk with him. Take his yoke upon you and just for once, release, surrender. See what that feels like and then do it a thousand more times as you walk with him. Keep surrendering. Keep opening yourself up. This isn't a one-time thing. It's interesting when people talk about their salvation moment. Have you ever heard somebody talk about their testimony? This is when I was saved. The biblical image of salvation is something that happens but has an ongoing power to it. It's not just a one-time thing. It's that you were saved. Yes, you were made a child of God when you confessed your sins and accepted Christ and said, I want to be your Lord. And a lot of you I know in this room, you've taken that step of baptism even. You've been immersed and you've united yourself with the death and resurrection of Jesus but it goes beyond baptism. You reappropriate that baptism over and over and over again every day when you die to yourself so that you can live a Christ-centered life. And I think that's what he's getting at in the very next verse, by the way, when he says, my father's entrusted everything to me. You want to know what it looks like to come to Jesus or come to the father? He says, no one truly knows the son 
except the Father. Nobody truly knows the Father except the Son, and to those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. If we're going to experience this free and light life, if we're going to take the yoke of Jesus upon us, it's got to become more about him and less about us. It's got to become more about centering ourselves on him and less on ourselves. Now, what does that practically look like in your day-to-day life? What does it look like to decenter yourself, to orient yourself around Jesus? Some of you I know in this room, you have habits, you have practices, you have rhythms that orient you around Jesus and not yourself. And it, it, it can be a lot of different things, but let me just suggest a couple. Number one, what does the first hour of your day look like? When you wake up, what do you grab first? I usually grab my phone as a a flashlight to get out of my bedroom while it's still dark so I don't trip on anything or or laying about toys in my room. I have four small children. And then I go out, I usually wash my face, and I open my phone up to this app called the Lectio 365 app. And if I'm really tired, I'll just press play on it, and I'll drink some water as I listen to the word of God be spoken over me in the first 15 minutes of me waking up. If I'm feeling up to it, I'll open it up and I'll read it myself. A lot of times, I just listen to it. And then I allow myself about five minutes in the news, okay? That's about it. That's all about all my soul can take right now. About five minutes in news. I read a news site called All Sides. Have anybody ever read that site? Where it gives you like Fox News, CNN, BBC, and like all the different perspectives on one thing. It's crazy how different news outlets carry different news. Did you ever know that? You ever checked out any other sites? They're different. The perspective's a little different. And I like to then carry that into my time of prayer. So sometimes I'll take a walk with my dog. I'll take a prayer walk around my neighborhood. Sometimes I'll just sit and I'll journal with my Bible. Sometimes I'll I'll write out whatever the psalm was for that morning. And I'll just sit in in my house uh, when it's quiet early in the morning, the only time it's quiet. And I'll say, God, what do you have for me today in this? How, how can I cooperate with you today? And then throughout the day, I usually pause and go back to that. Whatever that thing was, I try not to rush past it. And I just soak on it all day. And then at nighttime, I use that exact same app, by the way, Lectio 365, and they have an evening deal. And it says, today is about to be done. Let's think back on all the things that you're grateful for today. And I end my evening in gratitude. Some point in time during the day, I'm saying the Lord's Prayer out loud. I'm just, I'm saying that, and hear me on this. I'm saying it until I mean it. Have you ever said the Lord's Prayer but not really meant it? Yeah, me. Every single day, I have to say it more than one time. Because I'll get like halfway through it, and I'll realize I said I was sorry. Forgive me of my sins, but I wasn't really sorry. I was just saying words. And so I pray it until I mean it. And I just work through that, through the day. So I don't know what it looks like for you. To make Jesus the center, to de-center yourself. But maybe that's one way you can start. Just think about the first hour of your day and the last hour of your day. And then last but not least, don't do it alone, whatever you do. Don't do it alone. The only thing before Genesis 3 that God says is not good before the fall is that man was alone. That's the only thing. So it's not good. If you're journeying alone and thinking, I'm going to center myself on Christ, 
This is a personal thing. It's never a private thing. Hear me on that. This is a personal thing. You do have to own it, but it's never private. It's, it's a shared life with other people. And then Jesus goes on to say, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart. Did you know that that's the only time in Scripture where God reveals this is what my heart is like? You want to know what God's heart is? Gentle and humble. Test me on that. Go look that up. I have yet to find another piece of scripture that says, this is exactly what God's heart's like. Gentle and humble. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. The burden I give you is light. That means there is something for us to do. He's not saying I give you no burden. He's, he's not saying I, I'm not giving you any responsibility. He's saying, no, no. By faith, you are going to be responsible for some things. You are going to work this salvation out, as Paul says, with fear and trembling. I like the way, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever read John Mark Comer, but his book, um, this is from the Lectio 365 app this morning, actually. This is a quote from his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's a great title for a book, isn't it? He says, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. He offers his followers a whole new way to bear the weight of our humanity. Do you ever feel that? The weight of humanity? With ease, at his side, like two oxen in a field tied shoulder to shoulder with Jesus doing all the heavy lifting, at his pace, slow, unhurried, present to the moment full of love and joy and peace. And hear me on this. An easy life isn't an option. An easy yoke is. And so, I just want to tell you this week, I had a really hard time on Tuesday night walking at a slow pace, being fully present in the moment. I got an email from ASU saying that um, four out of the next six weeks, we could not meet here, okay? Yeah. Four out of the next six weeks. We just started, by the way, if you're unfamiliar with this, last Sunday, been planning this for a while, had a contract, a whole PDF, printed it out, emailed the guy, said, so uh, who do I need to meet with, right? I'm literally um, jumping on a trampoline with my wife at KTR. It's my son's birthday. It's not just me and my wife jumping on a trampoline, although we would do that. For a date night? That sounds fun. But we were trying to celebrate my son's 12th birthday, and I get this email, and like an idiot, I read it. And the rest of the night, I'm thinking, I mean, I'm preparing for this message all week, so I feel like God always prepares me as he prepares the message, all right? And I'm thinking, all right, Lord, I give you this, and I emailed uh, them back. I said, all right, I'll be there tomorrow to meet with somebody face-to-face about this. I'm going to talk to somebody. And they said, yeah, that's fine. Come by anytime. And so then I text, no joke, probably 40 different friends and groups of people. And I just said, here's the situation. Pray. And then I went to sleep Tuesday night. And the world kept turning. And I slept great, actually. I slept really good. Woke up Wednesday, went to class with Barry here. We had class. It was fantastic. We're in this uh, missional theology degree together. And then I came here. And I 
walked right down this path here into this guy's office, and I said, here's the deal, bro. I'm not threatening you. I'm just saying, if I would have known this, we would never have met here. Is there anything you can do? And he said, nah, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, okay, all right. Uh, so in my soul, in that moment, I'm just praying, God, give this man compassion. So then I don't say anything, and I'm just sitting in his office in silence. And he says, but let me talk to my supervisor. Just let me talk to him. I said, great. Shook his hand, left the office. Four hours later, I get an email saying, I talked to my supervisor. You guys can meet here. No problem. Woo! Like chills up and down my whole body. I was like, Lord Jesus. And then I texted all 40 people, and I was like, seriously, thank you for praying. This is how God showed up and answered. But here's the truth. Even if he didn't answer that prayer, even if for some reason we had to adapt, you know, and meet at Houston's house the next four weeks, right, Houston? Right, yeah, he's all for that. Even if we had to do that the next four weeks, he's still good, even if he didn't answer that prayer. But the difference is how you move through stressful moments like that. I, I walk at a different pace, and I, I seriously, I would not be able to handle that sort of thing with peace if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit and it wasn't for Jesus' easy yoke that we get to walk through, no matter how big the thing is or how small the thing is. And so I'm praying today as we continue to worship, and we're going to take communion. We're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus died. He shed his blood. He broke, his body was broken so that we could experience that kind of yoke with him, that kind of freedom. And so let me pray, and uh, whenever you'd like to, if you're a follower of Jesus today and you want to remember his death and resurrection, go ahead and take communion around the room. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the good news that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And you come not expecting us to do a thousand things, but you actually come doing a thousand things for us. And then you just ask us to participate in your life. You ask us to cooperate with you. We don't have to do this alone. And so as we take communion around the room, we remember, God, we remember that you died so that we might have life and life to the fullest. If there's any part of pride in us, God, would you tear that away this morning? Would you replace that prideful heart with a childlike heart? Not childish, but childlike heart. God, if there's anybody in this room, including myself, that are, we're just at the center of our lives right now, would you displace us and put you at the center where you belong? You are God. You are worthy of worship. Father, whatever that custom fit yoke looks like for each person in here, carve that out for them today. Help them to see their purpose in you. Hey, thanks for listening to the Life and Rhythm podcast. If you'd like to know more about Rhythm Community Church, you can go online at rhythm.community. Peace.